for anyone that's releasing music is is to have a plan. Uh, we do talk to a lot of young artists who will send us music and whether it's good, bad or indifferent, you know, the key element is that they need to have a strategy and a plan behind it. It's easy to put out a song and release it, you know, into the world. But, you know, if you don't have a strategy behind what you're doing, it becomes completely futile. Welcome to Songwriter Trists, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrists.com. Welcome to a songwriter trist with my special friend, Frank Verasso from Verasso PR. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, Rayleigh, how are you doing? I'm good. We've done this a few times with people that you've been representing. You've sent me some fantastic people to interview. Um, and now we finally get to chat and share with people what it is that you do behind the scenes. It's, it's a bit of a mystery, I think, to a lot of people that might be listening. So I'm going to start by getting you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Well, obviously, my name is Frank Barasso. I run a PR company called Barasso PR, and, and essentially, what we are, are radio pluggers and TV pluggers. So, you know, our role is to essentially get music on radio and video clips on TV. So, mm-hmm. obviously, that requires a great deal of work. It's something that's um, quite common uh, across Australia. There are a number of PR companies that do what we do. But essentially, you know, we work for a lot of the you know record labels, uh, management companies, touring companies, yeah. uh, independent artists, etc., who have you know, radio releases that they would like uh, sent to media. And, you know, the role we have is to essentially secure airplay or video play for those artists whenever they release some music. So yep. that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. It sounds quite basic, but it's quite a convoluted process. That's the dream though. Like you, when someone like myself records and releases a song, we all know that music goes on radio. We all know about MTV, but we don't know how it gets there or what it takes to get there either. Um, and it is a mystery to most of us about how to do that. But that's where, you know, part of the income for independent artists and main record labels and everything comes from is the royalties of that as well as people getting to know who you are. So they have heard your music and they do want to buy a ticket and come see you when you're touring. So it is a big part of the whole cycle of things. How how did you end up in this particular role? Because it does seem it's very niche and it's probably a part of the um, industry that for people on the outside looking in is completely unseen. How, how did you end up in this position? I started working um, uh, at Warner Music many moons ago and from there I was working as a the PR manager for Victoria and Tasmania. And I was at Warner for a number of years. I was offered a few positions up in Sydney where head office was at the time, but they were label management positions. And I really had a love for PR. So, you know, dealing with, at the time I was dealing with radio 
print and television. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my passion for that sort of, uh, you know, grew as I grew into the role, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and from there moved, ended up moving to Sydney uh, eventually with uh, EMI, where I was the, I was doing national publicity and that involved maybe dealing with, you know, predominantly print media, you know, newspapers and magazines yeah. And, you know, I was liaising, obviously, with a lot of the management managers and, um, and and marketing people from EMI over in, you know, globally, really, from the US and the UK. And from there, was offered a position at Festival Mushroom when uh, Gadinsky had sold it off to Murdoch. Yeah. Um, I was at Festival Mushroom for about seven years, I think, um, both in Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, and then I, I believe, uh, and then Warner Music had purchased Festival Mushroom, or Festival, I should say, uh, at that point. But I was offered a position, luckily, at Sony Music, where I headed up the PR team there nationally as well. So, yeah, after a few years at Sony, I then decided, you know what, I uh, I could probably do this on my own now. I've had enough experience, and decided to start my own company, and it was a very Nerve-wracking time because you, you just don't know what to expect and I, I didn't know whether the phones would ring and, and fortuitously they did. So been running Barasso PR now for 14 years and it's wow. it's been a lot of fun and, yeah, had some wins and some misses along the way but it's been predominantly, you know, a really enjoyable experience. And it is a bit about that um, and I think it's important to just highlight you said wins and misses, let's not gloss over it. That is yeah. kind of what we're doing with this. Just because we go to a PR agent with our what we think is this hot new single, um, mm. it it you know it it doesn't mean that everyone's going to like it just because we throw a bunch of money at a song. You know, it has to be the magic combination of good music at the right time with the right people, and and you know the audience needs to be ready to hear it as well. How do you manage that? How, how like because you have to deal yeah, with that on a daily basis. We we do. I think you know uh, there there are a number of issues there, Rayleigh, uh, that are really really important. I'm glad mm-hmm. you asked this question because you know it is about managing expectations. It's also mm-hmm. you know it's also managing your the output um, that we have. You know it, we don't. It's very easy for a, a PR firm to just take on work and, and take money. We don't have that philosophy at all because there are a number of issues at play. First and foremost, we play God with an artist's music, okay? Mm. Um, every artist that um, comes to us with a song will obviously listen to it and if we think we can add value, um, then chances are we'll take that project on. To add to that as well, you know, um, as I mentioned, you know, you're as an artist or a label or a manager, when you give us a song to work, you know, we we do, we play God in so many ways because an artist is there, you know, literally giving their career and putting placing it in our hands. So we have to be, you know, really committed first and foremost and secondly, really diligent with the amount of work that we put in. So... Mm. It's really, it's really uh, important, and a lot of people gloss over that because there, you know, there are PR agencies out there. I know that you know will take on any client, um, throw the song at radio or TV, or print or online, wherever they, you know, wherever, uh, whichever platforms they they 
play in yeah. and throw it at the wall and just see if it sticks. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, bad luck. Um, yeah. And it's not how we operate in particular. We, you know, we have to listen to the song. If we think we can add value, then we'll take it on. And then on top of that, you know, comes the issue of managing people's expectations as well because there are some artists out there that think that they know um, where the song lies in that media sphere um, yeah. and really don't have a clue because, you know, there's no there's no book out there that you can pick up and read and go, okay, so this is how you release a song and, and this is how you take it to radio. It's just, mm. There's nothing out there. So you're relying on our experience and our expertise to, you know, navigate you through those waters. So mm-hmm. it's very um, – it's a very complex thing that we do um, and it's also, you know, high risk and high reward as well. You know, there are not every song going to be a hit um, and not every song is going to fail miserably. It, it just depends on, you know, what the song has to offer at that time in that place, what mm. else comes out, what other releases are in market at that time, mm. Um and, you know, sometimes we have, you know, some great success and other times, you know, for a lot of unforeseen circumstances, we don't have that much luck. Um, mm. So it's it's really tough and, you know, the radio landscape in particular is a very tight um, format where, you know, radio station, stations these days take very few risks because, you know, competition and ratings are so tight. Mm. So it's it's tough. You know, you're, you know, in this day and age, you're not, as an Australian artist, for example, you're not just competing against other Australian acts. You're you're competing globally, yeah, um, with every other release that comes out. So it's it's yeah, it's a very tough landscape, and it's extremely competitive. It when yeah when you're when you're fighting for those little pieces of time that we all have limited amounts of yeah it, I can imagine it's very competitive and challenging to know the right direction to step into how do you um, or what advice do you give to people um, around that side of things like if they came to you I know that you have a particular type of music that you prefer to take on um, what advice would you give to someone as to when they're talking to a PR agent um, mm-hmm. what should they be looking for I think they should be looking for genuine interest in the release because, you know, I think if if the PR person is not fully engaged and immersed into the music you're releasing, then that could be trouble. The other thing is, you know, you need to look at their experience uh, and their knowledge. You should be asking them a million questions about, you know, um, you know how well they're doing in the marketplace. What genre of music they're um, they're focusing on, mm. um, and what success rates they've had in the past. Um, you should also be asking, you know, what they think of the release um, and what value they can add to that particular release. So, you know, a good PR person should be able to give you a rough indication as to where that song is going to land across, um, you know, country radio. Um, pop radio, commercial radio, community radio, ABC radio, you know, yeah. um, because, you know, if you're um, if you're engaging someone, you need to make sure that 
they're very knowledgeable and very well connected in those, in, in whatever genre of music you're releasing. And, and yep. you know, I'd also ask them, you know, their prices, obviously. Um, some, you know, some PR agents um, will take a commission. Some PR agents will take a flat rate. Some PR agents will take a, a flat fee with, you know, a, a the ability to extend a PR campaign, it all depends, you know. Yeah. I know at Verasso PR we're very fluid. We have, you know, um, we don't have a set rate mm-hmm. um, for every client. It's It all depends on the song. Every song is different, so every rate is different. Um, mm-hmm. And that way we can be really flexible and uh, allow independent artists in particular to, to have more control over their finances. I, I respect that. And everyone does come from a different situation. And I like to think that, you know, in the industry, we want to find people that we can work with, but that we can also grow with. And Mm. if you find people like that, your success should be their success. And, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, that sort of story. And And I've seen that work really well in the industry, not just in Australia, but you know, the more and more people I talk to, that's what happens. One person's success, you know, lifts up other people and it's just this thing where we can either build each other up or we can pull each other down and I definitely want to be on the side of let's lift each other up. Mm. I want to find out a little bit more about your story, if you don't mind, let's get personal. Yeah. But how did, how did you even end up in the music industry? Are you a musician? Like what was the drive no, for you? No, I'm uh, I'm a wannabe musician. <laughs> um, I know that... Uh, in my youth, I, I dreamt many times of being a rock star. Um, Didn't we? All? I don't have a musical <laughs> bone in my body, unfortunately. Um, well, you clearly and, do in some way. Oh yeah, I, I think <laughs> look, I, I, as a as a uh, as a young child, I, I know I listened to music a lot, um, yeah. and I loved it, and I bought records all the time, and and that was my, uh, I guess my escape from reality not that I had a bad childhood or anything like that um mm-hmm. but I just loved music and I didn't play an instrument um much to my uh misfortune but um I think I fell I fell into uh music um I did a university degree which I ended up sort of moving away from what did you study I, uh, did you I did, it? Uh, I did a BA. Yeah, I finished it. I did a BA in leisure studies, um, and I was working at uh, an OT setting, uh, occupation, uh, sort of occupational therapist, at a um, at a nursing home, which uh, uh, I enjoyed, but it was quite an emotional experience working with people with dementia. So yeah, I was I putting together rec programs and things like that. And I, you know, I was in my early to mid-20s and, you know, life was pretty morose uh, at that point. Mm. You know, it was just dealing with uh, with Alzheimer's, which is just a horrible disease. And anyway, yeah. I, I decided to move away from that and um, there was a job going as a booker uh, at a venue in Melbourne, the uh, at the Evelyn Hotel. And, they, and that was a venue that was very much, I guess, entrenched in the Melbourne independent music scene back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of booking bands there, but it really wasn't my forte. I I ended up dealing with a magazine called Impress Magazine, which is now, I believe, called The Music. Okay. .com. And Impress was a street paper back in the day. And I was selling advertising there as well as doing a lot of interviews with, you know, some pretty big artists at the time uh, that were, you know, touring the big day out and things like that. So I had a great, great time there. But 
my main role was to sell advertising. So I had a very, very good black book. Um, I was dealing with all the record labels. I was also dealing with, you know, promoters, you know, bands, venues, the whole thing. So mm-hmm. my contacts in Melbourne at the time, you know, were were really, really good um, and they were all, you know, very key people within the music scene. So I was quite fortunate to, to you know, have that role and uh, I recall Warner Music were after someone at the time in Melbourne and I was told to apply for the PR position there and I did and yeah. I got the job, which was great. And so the rest is history. So I kind of fell in it, Ray Lee. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't. You know, I didn't have this vision to to join a label. I know when I was at Impress, I would I, I wanted to work for a label. Yeah. Um, but um, it all came about very quickly. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I was well connected. So you know, clubs, you bars, restaurants, the whole thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I did manifest it. And so, yeah, yeah I haven't looked back since. And I, I've I've loved um, working with the labels um, over the years. And mm-hmm. you know. Um, I managed to get a really good overall picture of the industry, which was really valuable. I love that. And for someone who used to work in marketing and advertising for eight years as well in sales, it's such a tough gig. And to say that you've done that and the relationships you were able to build and grow to where you are now speaks volumes as to the integrity of the person that you are as a salesperson, because it's really about relationship building, isn't it? And, you know, Mm, so like that, that industry of advertising and sales churns so many people because it it's so tempting, I think, for a lot of people to white lie or set wrong mm. expectations and, you know, really annoy a lot of people. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's the last thing you want to do. You want to low expectations and then overachieve and then, you know, like that was always my goal anyway and have good communication skills. And mine, and mine Rayleigh. I mean, they're, they're yeah. essential things when you you know when you're in that sort of sales marketing role where you know it any relationship really has to be reciprocal otherwise it's just not going to work so Mm. you know I've I've always been a straight shooter and call a spade a spade and you know I'll you know I'll always go above and beyond like you were saying you love it uh, you try and overachieve and if you can keep people happy and content then you know that's goal accomplished yeah, and I, I definitely learned that in that role of you want to at least communicate what you believe you can achieve, but you're mm. always going to want – you want to be able to go back and go, oh, actually we've done more, that's awesome, but the last thing you want to have to do is say, oh, we've missed the mark <laughs> and that's, you yeah. know, and so and, – and how to be able to do that in this industry like we talked about before <clears> with the wins and losses. Um, setting expectations isn't easy. So – it's beautiful to see how you've actually come in and you've actually managed to maintain those relationships and be in the industry for that long. And I do feel like a lot of people burn out. How do you think you've managed to stay in the industry for this long? I think and still be I so think, passionate about it. Well, I, I think that's the core. I think it's the passion. I think I just love, you know, I love music, but I love more. I love nothing more than being able to take an artist to another level. You know, it's it's really refreshing and it's so invigorating when I hear an artist on, you know, that I'm working on radio or see them doing a TV interview or yeah. or watching them play to an audience that's just losing their mind, you know. Um, 
there's nothing like that. You can't buy that experience. And I think that's what's kept me going all this time is that I'll, you know, music moves all of us emotionally and I'm probably the most emotional <laughs> person out there. I, you know, I'll, I still cry when I watch certain video clips, you know. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I had a, <clears throat> a video come through. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm, that's right. Uh, not that long ago from, from Hardy, you know, um, wait in the truck with Lainey Wilson. And I watched mm. that video and I was brought to tears. And yep. and I love the fact that I can do that still. Uh, and I think that's why I love this industry so much is that it can it can move you emotionally and but it can also, you know, inspire you, um, not just from a musical perspective, but from life in general. You know, yeah. really, I think mean, I think mu- music is can be uplifting. It can be um, tragic at times, but it can also be invigorating and 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 challenging. Um, and I, I think the longevity for me has been, you know, from a personal level, has just been that I'm really passionate about what I do, and I love, you know, giving artists the opportunity to to, to share their music, you know, globally. That's that's the thing I love the most. I love that. And globally, globally is important um, in the music industry <clears throat> yeah. because it's it's got to that sort of a size that, you know, if you want to have a, a job in the industry, you kind of need to be thinking in that terms of how far to go. I, I, anyone who's listened to this podcast has heard me say it a few times. I say there's two types of people, people who like country and people who will one day when they understand what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're right. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, I, 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 I was one of those naysayers. I'll be brutally honest. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> you know, having worked at record labels, yes, we was, you know, we released country music and things like that. But my, you know, I, I still work very much in that pop, rock, alternative music genres. I mean, we we work a number of releases. Um, on a regular basis in that genre, but mm. country was something that I got into probably about five years ago. And I remember going to a particular concert. Uh, I think it was Randy Hauser from memory um, mm. at the corner hotel in Melbourne, which is quite an iconic indie venue. Um, yeah. And I, I remember going to see him and I was expecting to see, you know, 50 year olds with 10 gallon hats and, uh, I I distinctly remember <laughs> walking in, Rayleigh, I walked in, I looked around and I had to look at my watch and make sure that I was I was there on the right day because there were nothing but 18 to 25-year-olds crowd surfing, <laughs> singing every song verbatim. Um, that's crazy. And I think that's when the whole country scene dawned on me and I thought to myself, hang on, how blindsided was I and how naive was I to think that this, you know, genre really appealed to just a, an older audience and and yeah. it really, it really, yeah, it opened my mind up incredibly and that's when I, you know, since then I started working in that country sphere and and um, and I've really enjoyed it um, for all awesome. the reasons you mentioned before, you know, mm. it's, it's quite emotional and, Lyrically, it's it's really potent, um, and they're real life stories. Which yeah. Is great. Oh, you saw me in Tamworth. I was a I was an emotional mess at that festival this year, and I <laughs> couldn't help myself. <laughs> Such beautiful people, um, 
And and I think that that's the great thing about country music is anyone can get into it anytime. There's no like, I mean, I know that they're your hardcore, I was raised on country people. Yeah. But yeah. it's such a welcoming genre that you can come in anytime and, and most people are like, sweet, we're just glad to have you here. You know, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, well, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I, I uh, and a valid point, I, that's something that I noticed immediately um, with particularly the media and country music, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with media on a, on a daily basis, you know, when it's, when it's pop or rock or, or mainstream, I guess, mm-hmm. music, if you like, um, media are, are, are really, it's, it's super competitive, um, and it's dog eat dog. And what I found with, with country media in particular was that there was, they were so welcoming and willing to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made that transition for, for me and my PR company over to to take in you know country music um, a hell of a lot easier and that's you know that's something I'll never forget because there are a lot of people who were really helpful um, and able to guide me through some traverse waters there for a while mm. um, and it was it was great and I, I, like I said I, I'd never forget that never well done to the Australian country music industry because. I do. I think they're very welcoming and beautiful yeah. and supportive yeah. um, and we they need are. to have more of that. You kind of touched on a point that it is very competitive in in the mainstream, especially in Australia. I, I've talked to a few people about tall poppy syndrome that we definitely have here. Do you think that that is an Australian problem or have you noticed that it's all over the world, it's everywhere, it's not just us? Oh, I think it's global, um, Ray Lee. I, okay. You know, we now have so much more music at our disposal Mm-hmm. that space on radio um, is super competitive um, because, as I mentioned before, you know, we're not just dealing with Australian artists anymore. We're dealing with, you know, uh, a global platform here where music is coming in from all all countries, you know, and and a plethora of it, of it is being dropped daily. So it's, it's not just Australia. Um, and look, the country music scene in Australia is competitive. Don't get me wrong; it's um, yeah. it's uh, it's it's just part of the industry. I mean, you know, if no matter what music you're working in, you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, and it's it's really competitive. And I, I think I think country music in Australia has come a long way. Um, I, mm-hmm. I just the quality of music is just so strong now to the point where. You know, my main ambition is to try and cross country music over into the mainstream radio stations. I think yeah. that we're getting there and we're making some really good inroads. Um, yeah. and, and that's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see country music fall into that mainstream radio genre. I mean, you know, ra- ma- mainstream radio these days are playing rock and they're playing pop and they're playing yeah. hip hop and all those sorts of things. And I, I just can't understand why country can't be a part of that and I'm doing everything I, I think can. it can be I think it can be and it I, will I, be I agree yeah I it agree will be wholeheartedly absolutely more and, and more think, people yeah. I talk to they're getting into it people love country young people love yeah. country now yeah. yeah well it's you know when you talk to you know Apple and Spotify you know the first thing they tell me is that you know country is the fastest growing genre it has been for the last four years yeah um so yeah people are not you know, not backward like I was back in the, <laughs> five years ago. And, and I was there with you. Yep. It was just, you know, um, an older audience. When you know, look at 
you know, CMC, you go to CMC Festival, for example, and it's just full of young people, you know, having an absolute blast, loving mm-hmm. their music, and, and it's all country. It's fantastic. It is fun. What sort of advice would you give to someone who is just starting out? Maybe, you know, they've got their first sort of release coming up, and, and this is a big thing for first release people going to mm-hmm. a PR agent. What's your advice, whether they come to you or they're going to someone else, what's your advice how to set expectations or what to expect from releasing their music? Well, I think I think the key thing is for anyone that's releasing music is is to have a plan. Uh, we do talk to a lot of young artists who will send us music and whether it's good, bad or indifferent, you know, the key element is that they need to have a strategy and a plan behind it. It's easy to put out a song and release it you know, into the world. But, you know, if you don't have a strategy behind what you're doing, it becomes completely futile um, Mm. unless you've got an absolute lay down Mazaire song that is a massive hit Mm. and you flip it. Um, You know, that very, very rarely happens. I think think there's a lot of planning involved. I think, you know, my advice to a lot of those artists is to try and ensure that they – they have all the tools at their disposal, that they've got, you know, label copy, that their song is, you know, um, signed up to APRA so that they can receive royalties, so that they have artwork well in hand. They've got um, WAV files and MP3 files. They've got a press release. They've got a biography. They've Mm -hmm. got artwork. They've got a video. They've got all those tools that are necessary to try and, you know, break into this industry, um, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, quite a few artists just, you know, have a song and some artwork and go, right, that's it, I'm just going to put it out. Mm-hmm. They also need other songs to back it up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they need, you know, radio will only play songs that sound really well produced. You can't play a Miley Cyrus track on radio um, followed up by a Taylor Swift track followed by a, you know, a... a <laughs> A Jimmy Allen track and then expect um, radio to play your song. If it doesn't sound, if it's not produced it's and not sound amazing, yeah. it just it won't get played. Um, and so it's it's a really expensive business because when you think about, you know, video clips and recording mm-hmm. budgets and all those sort of things, it, it, it adds up, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really important. I know a lot of artists tend to produce things themselves sometimes, but, you know, it's I think... These days, um, artists need to surround themselves with the right professionals that are really good at what they do, you know. So yeah. my advice to a lot of artists is to, you know, hook up with a really good producer that knows um, how to record, you know. Yeah. Um, make sure that they've got a really good photographer that can take some, you know, some photographs for, for print and online use um, mm-hmm. and social media use. Um, a videographer who can shoot a great video but can also create a great deal of content for you to yeah. use um, on social scenes. media. Yeah. Uh, or, or radio, social media for that fact. Um, yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a lot more in, uh, involved and I know I've forgotten a lot of things or omitted a lot of things but content is king these days. So yeah. anything that you can get on film whilst you're recording your video there's no reason why an artist couldn't do, you know, a track by track or um, yeah. a piece of camera when, you know, um, you're having makeup done or, or you know, they're 
fixing the set where you can't talk about the making of the song and things like that. There are so many little details that are often overlooked. It it invites the audience to come on the journey with you. Absolutely. And and be a part of the process and they want to. Yeah, engagement. Yeah, exactly, It's It's key, you know. Mm. If you can't connect to a song lyrically uh, or visually um, or with an artist emotionally, then you're in trouble. You know, Mm. I think that's where – that's the gold, I think, you know, and that's very very hard to achieve but, um, you know. It requires vulnerability. It really does. It requires vulnerability to reach out into the unknown and go, here's my heart, judge it, punch it, do whatever you want with it. But those of you that need it, you can hold it. And and that's why we do it, I think, as artists. Like, that's my kind of goal because some people need your heart to survive or hold on to and your story or whatever it is. And, and yeah. that's a beautiful thing to do, but it does come with a few scars uh, that you've it got does, to be ready and that's to why, take. Yeah, and that's why, Ray Lee, you know, I think you need to, you know, surround yourself with the right people that believe. Um, yeah. You know, because, you know, more often than not, you know, we've we've had to, you know, talk to our artists and, and persuade them to take those risks and and mm. and commit to putting themselves out there, which is really yeah. hard to do. But, you know, uh, sometimes they need encouragement. Sometimes they need some guidance. Um, yeah. And sometimes they need to be told, no, don't do that. You know? Finding someone uh, to be honest with you is... Is the hardest thing to do in this industry, but if you can find those people, yeah. it's worth it. I wanted to go to, back to a, a th- something that you mentioned, and we've talked about mainstream. It's very competitive. Something that I have noticed that I feel like you're gonna um, know about in the me- in the media at the moment is that I feel like I feel like radio is mainly playing whatever is on TikTok. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, radio is. You know, radio is a business. Um, and mm. so sometimes, you know, music is the BS behind the advertising. Mm-hmm. So, you know, radio needs to survive as a business and to do that they need advertising dollars. And the the best way for radio to maintain listeners and maintain high ratings so they can charge higher advertising rates uh, is to make sure that mm-hmm. people are listening in. And the only way to do that um, is to ensure that the time spent listening on a particular radio station is as high as it can be. You know, radio these days um, has to has to play what people want to hear. Um, and I think uh, when you look at social media, whether it be TikTok, Instagram or Facebook or even Shazam, you know, you're in a Mm. situation where they're really good barometers of what people want to listen to. So it's very easy for or easier these days for radio stations to decide what they will play. So theoretically, if Frank FM, for argument's sake, you know, if I had a particular demographic that I was targeting, whether that be, you know, 25 to 39 females and males, then Mm -hmm. social media would be right up my alley. And a lot of radio stations spend an obscene amount of money researching songs that are on their playlists. So um, a lot of them will look for, you know, faves, they'll look for potential, they'll also look for burn on songs. 
Um, and that helps them decide what songs they'll keep playing, how often they'll keep them playing, or whether they will just move them into a recurrent category where they get played once every couple of months. That costs a lot of money and um, mm. and they're often, you know, farmed out to third parties or they're um, they're they're done in-house, um, but they're expensive mm-hmm. processes. But when you've got something like, say, Shazam or TikTok, I mean, TikTok can certainly generate uh, a lot of heat for an artist. Um, it's not the be-all yeah. and end-all, but it, it helps. But when yeah. you look at something like Shazam, for argument's sake, that is free research. You and I and any artist could jump on Shazam, look at the most Shazam songs, and that will tell you what people want to hear. I mean, 99.9% right. of the time, the only time you'll Shazam a, a song is if you want to hear it, if you like it. Um, yeah. So I use Shazam all the time. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, that's how you can research what's hot and what's not. So, yeah. you know, radio, I'm not being flippant when I say this. I know that radio music directors work really hard at deciding what they will and won't play because – The thing is, is that there is only 24 hours in a day and there is only so much music you can schedule in a day on a radio station. So it's a tough gig. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, if there were 32 hours in a day, I'm sure we would hear more Australian music on radio. Um, But that's another story. Yeah, but we're being flooded with, like, it's not just TikTok. There's also, you know, Netflix, TV series, songs that people are hearing and then shazamming from everywhere. Um, and 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 film is international as well. It you know Netflix. I know that they have their own scheduling of Australian series and things like that. And then there's live to air TV. Mm. But then there's you know th- there's production all over the world. And that is another area that I'm very passionate about. Um, but I don't feel like I feel like you've kind of covered it everything there. It's just like it's selective. It is a gamble. We've already talked about that. <laughs> um, it shouldn't be the reason you're doing it. Like if you're if you're trying to please everyone by doing what music, I don't know about you, but my advice would be try something else. No, <laughs> look, my, my something advice else. is be you. You know, your music. You know, yeah. as an artist, you know that it's your name on that release, not mine, um, not yeah. anyone else's. It's it's yours. So, you know, mm. I do have a lot of um, artists often ask me, you know, like should I make music for Triple J or should I make music for Nova or, or Hit or Kiss and it's kind of like, no, just make make what makes you happy and is a good represent, representation. The moment you start trying to make songs for radio is the moment you lose the plot. Future goals for you. Where, where do you see yourself going, your artists? What do you want to see happen? Where, where are you going? Is it global? South by Southwest, you're going to head there sometime? Yeah, soon. yeah sometime soon, I hope. Um you should come with me next month. Yeah, yeah, I would. Just do it. <laughs> I, I, we've got too many, too many festivals on between now and and the end of April. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm going to be on the road. Oh, look, ideally for me, where to next? Um, it's a really good question. I think about this all the time, and I uh, look. I, I'd love to set up offices globally. I'd like to set up in Nashville if I can. I think that's where. The heat is at the moment. I don't think anyone's in LA anymore. I think all those musos and songwriters that were once in LA are now in Nashville, and Nashville seems to be the hotspot. So, music city. Yeah, 
And, and I'd like is it to music capital there. of the world. It is, it is, for, yeah. and it's not just for country; it's for for pop and rock as well. So, um, yeah. I would, I'd love to set up internationally. I often uh, get asked, you know, why don't you set up in New Zealand? Um, I love New Zealand as a country. I think it's great, but I think you know I, they're very parochial over there. If you're if you're not a Kiwi, you're uh, you're not. Uh, you know, you're not that welcome, no, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. that's a generalisation. I do a lot of work for Kiwi artists, don't get me wrong, over here. But I I, I think, yeah. you know, for me, I think I need to look, you know, the other side of the planet um, yeah. and, and, and look at setting up shop there. I'm always looking for partners in the US and Canada um, that I can mm-hmm. work with because if I can extend, you know, my... Um, my reach uh, outside of Australia, I think it makes it a bit more uh, viable for uh, for artists. But you know, um, it's really, what makes the dream work. It's well, it's very, it's really difficult. It's not it's not hard to do. It's not hard for me to set up internationally. the The, the problem mm. that I have is that it costs an obscene amount of money to compete mm. in the US. Uh, yeah. and Canada um, because they're very different radio markets. You know, we we have very few stations here in Australia as opposed to the US where there are thousands upon thousands in each yeah. state. Um, so to break an artist in the US costs at least a million dollars minimum. Yeah. Um, and none of my artists have that money to burn. So. Well, I bought a lottery ticket last night. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. let me know how you go. <laughs> it's a bit I like that, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, look, that's what I'd like to do too. But you know, I'd like, I'd really like Australian music, uh, Australian music to be, you know, really regulated over here in terms of radio airplay. I, I'd love to see mm-hmm. Australian radio have a much higher a much higher uh, ratio played on air here i mean at the moment a lot of australian music is played very late at night um yeah uh, in mid dawns and I, I i would love to see the quota that was a word i was looking for um, quota, australian yeah. music quoted to be lifted significantly here in australia that's something i've been harping on for a long time um and i just wish commercial radio australia and you know, um, a number of other organisations that deal with radio could could push that quota up. You know, when you look at countries like France that have around 75%, mm. New Zealand is quite high too, you know. like To be a musician yeah. in this country is, is really tough work and, you know, most musicians have to have a second job. So if our radio quotas yeah. were much higher, I think we'd have a much healthier industry overall and that that would be music to my ears. And it's, it's a bit chicken and the egg as well with that sort of stuff. Um, and I've had this conversation around female and males in the industry. Yeah. But just in general, um, if the quota was higher, then maybe there would be more budget and higher ticket sales and things like that and support for the artists that then the quality would increase. Whereas I know some people will say, well, give us better quality and we'll give you, you know, more play. It's like, but if you give us more play, we'll have more budget to create better quality. And that's the same thing with, you know, women and men for festivals. It's like, well, women don't get the ticket sales because, you know, they're not releasing the quality. It's like, well, but they're not getting the money. And it's like it's, it is this kind of like cycle of how are we going to do this 
yeah. culture needs to change. Is, Someone it, needs it to lead again. the way. I mean, I, I, you know, I, um, I still don't get why, you know, females don't sell tickets. I find that mind-boggling. But anyway, um, mm. but yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a bit chicken to the end. But I, I think regulations mm. here need to change for the industry to to grow. And I think a higher quota on Australian radio would make such a significant contribution to the industry. It would um, it would boost sales. It would boost um, uh, touring dollars. It would boost recording dollars, funding, yeah. everything. It would just Camarari. make the scene a hell of a lot um, more robust in terms of you know, sustaining a lifestyle as a musician um, or as yeah. a producer or as a roadie or as a venue. Yeah. Um, it, it just has such a massive flow-on effect that it would it would make our industry, you know, really, really strong and that's... And I, th- I think we are very patriotic as a country. I know that there's obviously internal conflicts but when we see an Australian have success, um, we find, you know, we jump on board... Yeah. And we want to be there. We want to say we're Australian, they're Australian, their success is our success. Um, and I think we do that well when we get past the if it's just internally. Do you think the government or like is it APRA or PPCA or one of those agencies that are going to be the leaders in trying to get regulations changed? Well, look, I think, you know, I know there there, there have been talks um, of late um, to get the quotas increased Um but you know this has been going on for decades now, and quite frankly, I'm a I'm still baffled as to why nothing has happened. Um, mm. And you know it's been something I've I've been advocating and and trying to get people to to embrace now for well over twenty years. You know it's it's been an issue for thirty years to be honest, um, and even longer. Um, but since I've been in the industry, it's been an ongoing issue and nothing has happened. Um, so, you know. What do you think the issue is awareness or? I just think just it's just action. It's just, it's just, it's just people just making those decisions. I think the government just needs to step in and go, make it happen, people. Make it happen. It's for our yeah. own economy, for, for our, our own people, our own artists, our own venues, our own recorders you know recording studios you know it's as an industry you know the thing that frustrates me most Lee, is that whenever we have a crisis in this country um musicians are the first ones always the first ones to put up their hand and put on a benefit concert they offer their services for free they raise millions of dollars and then when our industry needs a hand Nothing happens, and and that's disgraceful. Personally, absolutely disgraceful. And I think, I think a lot of people realised that during COVID, um, when our industry was um, in a very dire space, and there was mm. no one was offering a hand, no one. And I, and that's that's pitiful. So, yeah. Look, I don't want to bring the conversation down, but it's it's something I'm really passionate about. I think. That I wasn't bringing it down. That was bringing it up. You know, I, that I was really good. think that people, in, you know, the government in this, uh, in this, you know, time just needs to step up. I know Albanese's creating some really good forums to try and raise yeah. awareness and um, 
and um, and hopefully the quotas because I, you know until that's done, um, I don't think our industry will re- ever reach its potential because I, I think there are so many talented okay. people uh, in Australia that write, record, and perform, and you know what most people don't realise. Uh, I think as a PR firm, we we get a lot of music and. And the most tragic thing is that you know, some of the best songs ever written aren't even heard, and that's that's mm. criminal. Criminal. I love it. I I mean, I'm I'm a preacher's daughter, and I just want to scream out, preach it, and amen to all of that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how I was taught to agree with people. But no, absolutely, I love everything you just said, and I, I love you so much for for being vocal about it. And I agree that the more vocal we can be about it. Unfortunately, that's how the things go is that the, you know, and, and this happens with kids in schools as well. It's the loudest, get the most attention. Yep. Um, but that is how we see change and we just have to get louder about it mm-hmm. and, and and not go away. Even if it has been years and years and years, we just got to get louder and louder and louder until someone pays attention um, and you got to fight for what you want. So I love it that you're doing that. Thank you mm-hmm. on behalf of the music industry in Australia. Um, <laughs> tell me about your um, inspirations. So people that inspire you, dead or alive, anyone in the world, you had your choice of who you got to work with. Who would you, like, who would be a dream to work with? I can't really single one person out. I, I think I think the people that I've worked with, you know, in, over the last 30 years that I've met that I never thought I would meet, um, Mm. Like who? Inspire. Oh, look, you know, like Tom Jones was incredible. Um, Madonna was amazing as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, rather than name drop, I think I think the thing that inspires <laughs> me the most really um, is some of the, you know, seeing the pros out there that know the business and know – how to behave and know how to conduct themselves and know what's required. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting, Ray, because, you know, I've met a lot of one-hit wonders um, in my time and they are the artists that least inspire me because they have fame so quickly and are completely clueless on how this industry works, whereas those that have longevity, um, you know, whether it be the Foo Fighters or, or you know, um, Madonna or Red Hot Chili Peppers or Tom Jones or simply Red, whoever, um, mm. they're working with them is such an inspiration for me because it's such a demanding role. Everyone thinks that, you know, being a superstar is all glitz and gra- glamour and it's, you know, you're rolling in the money and, and you know, life's grand mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a cruisy lifestyle. It is so, so different to what our perceptions are that um, it's quite demanding. It's you're on 24-7. You know, people think that it's, it's you know, it's, it's sailing in, you know, the Caribbean and, you know, taking it easy mm. and smoking big fat cigars and counting wads of cash and buying and spending. and But the, the lifestyle... You're saying that's not what it is? It's not what it is, I'm <laughs> telling you. It's, <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not it, 
you know. That's what the music videos look like. That's oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sometimes. That's, sometimes. You know, and I, and I, I honestly, I think that that's, you know, it's every musician's <laughs> dream is to live that lifestyle. But there's a lot of work involved. Yeah. And what inspires me is the, the work ethic that those that have longevity, I love that. I just love that 24-7 work mentality. Nothing's too hard, you know. Um, yes. Like I remember, you know, celebrating platinum records with Tom Jones for argument's sake. And, you know, yeah. we went out the night before and we were drinking champagne and going, you know, club hopping and having a great time and just celebrating the fact that we had a, a double or triple platinum record. Um, but the next morning at 7.30am, he had to sing, um, uh, you know, on live breakfast TV. Um, yeah. We didn't get home till 5. Um, Ray Lee, <laughs> I was shattered. I was shattered. I, I literally went home, had a shave, a shower, and then went back to the hotel and I was a wreck, you know. Um, got yeah. the cab back in and and Tom was ready, ready in reception, looking ready a million bucks, let's go. You know, ready, you know, and that's the thing, mm-hmm. you know, through to I remember Madonna when, you know, she came out <laughs> yeah. and toured Australia. I, I learned know, that one I early on. Recall <laughs> watching her um, at Gudinski's place, uh, watching the playback video of her entire concert the night before. Mm. And she wasn't, you know, just looking at it for, for fun. She was looking at it to critique her own performance. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what it takes. It takes a lot of commitment. Um, so, you know, that's what inspires me, Ray. I, I, it's not what inspires me is the, the, the creativity that other people have that I don't, you know. Um, it's their commitment to the cause. It's, it's wonderful, you know. Like I look and I could quote millions of other artists, but it's just their – their professionalism, their their ability to to um, to work within the guidelines that they need to work within, because it's a demanding role. Being a oh, successful musician is hard work. You're not yeah. you're not just uh, you know buying lovely dresses or well, you know expensive jewelry. I mean, you you're, learn you're, as you go. You're planning your next release in this industry. I've definitely had to come, but it, it's so hard. Also, clothes, I mean, it weeds you know, out people for sure because writing I mean, songs, so even in acting, um, like people are out there so doing workshops that goes or coaching or telling you how to do things. People don't realise, and it's, they've never done it. It's exhausting. And they've got it's no, hard work. no back, nothing to back up what they're saying that they actually know yeah. what they're talking about every day. Um, every day, and as artists, you know. It's really easy to fall into those traps if you want to believe something. You'd be surprised at the management contracts oh, yeah. that I've been yeah. sent. We're going to give you a publishing deal. We're going to give you a record label deal. We're going to manage you. And it's like if if I didn't, you know, some people think I just want that deal. That's going to make me successful. And they have no understanding of the business. They would sign yeah. that and they would they would maybe lose everything they own. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's horrific people out there preying on vulnerability but that's where it, it's your it's your job to no look i think i've i think i've covered it all i mean unless you can think of it drained you of your wisdom <laughs> oh no it's right it's um i could talk about it for hours i could i could bang on forever but mm. it's um you know it's be more fun with a beer in the hand oh yeah yeah and and more time i think because there's a lot of issues yeah. that you know we've touched on that i could talk forever on but um 
you know, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm right. I've got an opinion on everything like everyone else has, but I think it's good that that we had this conversation because it it will certainly, hopefully a lot of people will see it, a lot of young artists will see it and realise that, you know, that there's a lot more to it than just releasing a record. I mean, the Absolutely. times I have artists ringing me up going, hey, I've got this great song, and they, they do, they'll have a great song, but they want to release it in two weeks, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. can't do it. Yeah. You know, signing a record deal um, isn't the be-all and end-all because essentially, you know, every, a lot of the, the record deals now are 360-degree deals where they take, labels will take a percentage of your publishing, your recording, your streaming, your touring, your merchandise, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny how artists sort of go, oh, I've just signed to a record label and I'm getting a, a $100,000 advance or a $500,000 uh, $500, advance. And the problem is, is what they don't realise is that's all recoupable. That is essentially a bank loan. So you don't see a cent until you recoup that. Um, yeah. And... And so this is why, you know, the new model these days is to do it all yourself and surround yourself with the right publishing company. Build your team. Yeah, build your team. Yeah, build your team, build your team. And takes away from the fun of what this industry should be. Correct. Um, Yeah. But I think my favourite thing that you said out of everything, I mean, you said really cool stuff, but I loved Have a Plan. I I get fed up with people not having a plan and be like, I'm just going to release it to Spotify and let the universe do its thing. And it's like, why even fucking bother? Like, why? Yeah, but that's that's, Um, that's what I mean. It's it's kind of like. They do it. They do it. People need to think about, you know, all those aspects. There's so many, it's such a convoluted thing. As you know, you know, you've got so much paperwork to fill out. You've got to make sure the song's registered so that you, you know, you you are receiving royalties. There's so much that happens beside you know, yep. outside of just writing recording and releasing that um, yeah. that you know and you can't like I said you, there's no book out there that you can um you can put out that every artist can read and go okay I need to do this and that and this and that yeah. and it's yeah every genre is different every country is different it, it's different and we've all just got to learn so that we can work out what's best for ourselves as independents I guess yeah, but you've answered a lot of really good questions, so I think it should be fine. Okay, cool, Beans. All right, have a good one. Thanks for joining our songwriter, Trist, today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website, songwritertrists.com. Stuck, lost in the- no one can hear me Wish I could